In episode 51 of the Whiskey and Things podcast, we welcome back Greg Dillon, the founder of Indie Butler, the Great Drams. And we're pleased to say that this time we're also joined by his business partner, who's also his wife, Kirsty. Yes, we'll be hearing both their whiskey origin stories, as well as sampling two whiskies from the new Great Drams range, the Ben Rines PX Finish and a Mystery Isla. Ooh, Mystery. As always, if you want some more whiskey-based content, images, and videos, check out our social media platforms and give us a follow. We're at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, no E. It would help us if you could rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Much appreciated. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to episode 51. I am Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Welcome to the Whiskey and Things Podcast, everyone. Welcome indeed. Welcome back welcome. if you've listened to us before, or welcome if you haven't. Yeah. How are you, David? <laughs> That's a lot of welcomes. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome, and a little bit more. We are welcome. very welcoming. <laughs> welcome if you've never listened and you're not listening now. Um, I'm not too bad, thanks, Nick. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right, a bit tired. We've had a lot going on. Um, yeah, it feels we? like all we've been doing is sitting on Zoom at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking whiskey. And shouldn't complain. Shouldn't complain. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get used to it. Yeah, it was, it's, it's been really nice though because we've had a, a, a mixture of new people that we've met and some old familiar faces. Yes. And I, I think that's where this episode begins, does it not, Nicholas? Oh, that's a lovely little link there, Dave. Yeah, I thought, thought you'd enjoy that. So um, some of our listeners may, you know, some of you who may have listened before, um, if you haven't, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome, if we haven't said it already. Uh, if you have listened before, welcome to you as well. Um, but you may remember that way back in uh, in November, in episode 36, we had Greg Dillon on, who was the founder of uh, an independent bottler called Great Drams. Uh, well, they've got a new range out. So uh, we thought we'd ask him to come back on to talk about it. And not only has he come on, he's brought his business partner, Kirsty, who also has the surname Dillon. What a coincidence that is. I know. Um, What's that about? Yeah. Uh, it's very strange. So uh, we, we get to hear a little bit more about the organisation um, today, so how their life and uh, and also their new whiskies. Enjoy and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey. Welcome, Kirsty and Greg. Thank you. Welcome back, Greg, onto the show. And Kirsty, welcome hey. for the first time. It's nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Um, last time we had you on, Greg, we talked about the story of Great Drams and the processes behind it, etc. But we didn't get down to your actual whiskey origin story. Um, so as we have you both here, we thought it'd be nice to kind of go back in time and find out how you both originally fell in love with whiskey. So, Kirsty, let's start with you. What are your first memories of whiskey and how did you develop a love for it? Well, it had to start with my dad, really. I think a lot of people have that same story. Um, I remember growing up and particularly around Christmas time, the whiskey was always brought out. Um, Irish coffees were flowing. Uh, we've got quite a big Irish connection in our family. Ah. Um, yeah, so it was great. So I don't actually remember trying it that young, obviously. <laughs> um, but I just remember, you know, that bottle opening and the smell and it just 
I, I still got those memories now when I open, um, you know, a bottle of Jameson or something. It's just, you just, it was just a house staple, really. Right. Um, right. I, mean, I wouldn't say that I had the, the same introduction to whiskey that Greg did. It was more of a passive, really, that whiskey was around and I just noticed it and that was it, really. And it wasn't really until Greg and I got together that then it was quite clear that I was really getting involved with a whiskey uh, enthusiast, <laughs> to be right. polite. Um and yeah, so we just spent lots of time then holidaying and um, actually we were talking about one of our first dates was in Albanac um, in Trafalgar Square, um, a really big whiskey bar there. And that was probably my first um, real delve into mm. trying different whiskeys and starting to build my confidence about what to ask for because I was always so influenced by my dad and what he had around that then going into a bar for me was really daunting. And I didn't want to just say to the barman, oh, I like this type of whiskey. And I don't, to be honest, it was all, also about price. I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure really what they're going to suggest. And, you know, student days, we didn't all have a lot of money. So um, then with Greg, we really got to try many different things. And, yeah, as I said, then we started holidaying. And um, our first, we decided for our birthdays when we first got together that we would buy to the holidays rather than gifts. So um, we went from, straight from student, having no money and scared of ordering whiskey, <laughs> to let's just put all our money on holiday. Cheers, I mate. <laughs> um, so straight away, I knew that I was going to take him up to Isla for our first um, trip away. Mm. And yeah, it was just magical. That's where really I started to really enjoy peated whiskies for the first time. Um, and uh, yes, then it's just developed from there, really, and just... We just keep on. Yeah, do you remember when you came back or we came back from that holiday and you developed a penchant for pretty much exclusively all the uh, Isla Limited editions, like Ardbeg Galileo. (laughs) Um, And actually, there's some others knocking around, some of the committee releases from early doors and all that. It's like, Jesus Christ, step back a little bit. (laughs) Went straight for a mum, not really that bothered about whiskey. Oh, yeah. And now your daughter's called Isla. Um, So what about you, Greg? Where did it all start for you? I'm slightly different. Um, My dad also is a a, a whiskey drinker. Uh, He passed away when I was 19. And um, he, uh, I can't really use the term out loud that we would refer to it, but he uh, he used to use, or used to enjoy um, uh, standard whiskey. Let's go with that. Um, (laughs) Uh, and uh, and uh, more entry level stuff like uh, teachers, Johnny Black, that kind of thing. Um, great whiskies in their own right, sure, but um, they didn't really adventure anywhere from that, apart from one rogue bottle of uh, knock and do that we found um, after he passed away randomly. Obviously, I bashed through that pretty swiftly. And um, but after he did go, we uh, oh, I had this mindset. I was always very fortunate that, um, uh, apart from the last year and a half, right, uh, I've travelled quite a lot with work. So I've been all over and I had this thing that, right, I, I want to understand whiskey more and see what else there is out there. So essentially, I, whenever I was away for a work trip or a holiday trip or whatever, uh, in duty-free, um, if you can remember those things, <laughs> um, and in, even in just random countries, I would buy a bottle that either I'd never heard of or I couldn't pronounce and <laughs> genuinely my two kind of uh, litmus test for am I going to buy this fine if I've got no idea what this is or I literally cannot say that word out loud um, then I'm having it and uh, 
Yeah, so built up a swiftly built up a you know reasonable collection of about fifty bottles or so after a couple of years, and then yeah, and I didn't have a clue what any of them were, and then started getting into it properly, and then kind of life drifted. I did different things, and then um, uh, when I started working in design agencies, uh, had this uh, it's around, you know, a bit of luck, a bit of coincidence, but also a bit of um, you know passion that kind of put me in certain positions, and ended up uh, landing a. Uh, a brand uh, consulting gig doing the global repositioning of the teacher's brand. And so uh, that was my first proper entry into the whiskey industry. I've done a load of work with Grey Goose and stuff before, but um, and cognac, but going into the whiskey, I was like, oh, this is actually, this is proper, isn't it? Um, <laughs> all the stories, all the people, the distilleries, all that kind of stuff. So Ardmore was actually the first distillery, Scotch distillery I ever went to. And hence, years later, that became the first bottling we ever did. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I was hired by a different design agency specifically to land whiskey clients and stuff. So did that reasonably well. And um, and then thought, why am I doing this for you guys? Why are we not doing it for ourselves? <laughs> and yeah. so that's when the consultancy was set up. And years later, that's when the book came out. And then it was Kirsty's idea, actually, I think, to say, look, why don't you do a limited edition bottle? And then we enjoyed that so much that Kirsty actually uh, joined the company exactly three years ago last week. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit more of a, a story to that as well. <laughs> when Greg said he wrote the book and got on with the book and the book all arrived and we put that on the website, that was brilliant. And then um, you wanted to do a celebration cask. And so went ahead and got the book. The, well, you said to me, we're going to do a bottling, let's do something. So we're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um so carried on and then all of a sudden I think it was 299 bottles of whiskey arrived and Greg goes I was like so how are we going to sell this Greg he's like well I'll just put it on the website and that's us done it was more well, the first thing was when a pallet it all arrived in one pallet <laughs> and I'd never seen a pallet of whiskey before and suddenly there's one on my driveway and you weren't around you were heavily pregnant as well weren't you at yeah. the time no I'd had actually then oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was coming but that's what we we're trying to decide oh, yeah, doing it, yeah. with little Ardy. Yeah, exactly. And then, right, I'm the only one here. This guy won't bring it further than our driveway. So now I had to break down a pallet, which again, I had no idea how to do efficiently, and carry all these boxes and then just put them somewhere. Um, Yeah, so it's just under an exact ton of whiskey. Wow. And then then they might be like, what? They had this romantic idea of putting it on the website and then that would be it'd be gone like well, don't worry about that our biggest problem would be taking yeah. it down to the post office and uh went up on the website and a few did sell yeah quite a few we sell. had quite a few to sell still <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's when we, we yeah. thought right well what do we do and my uh, background's actually in marketing and um, so i've worked mm. for a few uh, retail and catalog brands in the past um trying to uh, generate new customers so I thought well rather than go back and try and because we just had Archie then it was coming up to the end of my maternity leave and so I thought rather than go and get a job for somebody else let's we've got all this whiskey let's see if I can try and sell it so we did then we yes. set up on our way of um, yeah. booking onto some local makers markets and food and drink festivals mm. and yeah then it's just, it's just worked, escalated from there the very it? first market we did we were reminiscing about it the other mm. day actually it was snowing it was minus two and it was at the Lowry. Oh. Um, yeah. And I'd never even been to the Lowry and I rocked up. It's like, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> With all these props that we thought people would care about and they didn't. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then it all just, it was all a bit weird. But now, I mean, I love it. Get my 
channeling my inner Del Boy when we're allowed to do these events is yes. and I love to the max. Yeah. Yes. And your second son is called Glenn, right? <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> I've only spoke to you before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your next book, Whiskey Kids Names. Yeah. There you go. Oh my yeah. gosh, that is going to be my next blog post. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. So how do you both um, divide up the roles in the company? Kirsty, are you part of the marketing side? As you, that's your background? That's what the plan was, to be honest. That was when we first started up selling that, the, that first cask of whiskey. It was always that I would manage all the marketing side of things. And that was how it kind of worked for the first mm. couple of years. But then obviously in the last year, everything totally changed again. Um, and we just had our second son uh, last December. And so technically I was in this maternity leave bubble and then COVID hit. So I was thinking, oh, well, you know, Greg can just hold on to the business for a little bit. I can plan things here and there and do a little bit of marketing. But then I can pick it up again in a year. Didn't happen. Obviously, then we switched to doing our virtual tastings. And with Mm. that, it just became a whole new business and a new baby really again, didn't it? Um, So then it's a lot more logistical side of things and all of the admin that we do now. So lots of packing up orders, um, which we always sat back, don't we? And we said, the day that we moan about packing up orders is the day we've made it. And when we have to pay for <laughs> packaging, because yeah. we've always held on to whiskey packaging, because I, I passionately hate just, you know, when a bottle arrives and it's in the inflatable and it's in the cardboard, does my head in, like, that most people throw that stuff out. Yeah, I've like, got a big box of it out there. <laughs> yeah, so now we're just, now it's a bit more blurred and we're trying to yeah. work out again what our what our roles are going to be. Um, Obviously we've seen quite a big growth in the last year as well with the virtual tastings. Mm. So, um, you know, we want to keep that side of the business going as well, but now all these food and drink festivals are starting again or hopefully they are anyway. (laughs) Um, So we've got to plan as if they are going to happen right now. Um, So that'll mean us both back out on the road again, most weekends and interacting with more customers. And then again, that'll mean more online orders. So Mm. yeah, we just need to, to work that all out but you're yeah. still we still do a lot of the whiskey cast selections together um mainly because that's was a, always a hobby of ours drinking whiskey together anyway mm-hmm. so what better way now getting to explore more whiskey mm-hmm. together and then and as, as well we both have real good exposure to our customers um well we did events i had more so so a lot of them give us the inspiration for our next um bottlings without us having to do too much so they're just you know asking what we're going to do next yeah. and what where they've been to distilleries and what they've not seen much of. And mm. then that's almost like a brief for us. So we can take that yeah. and, and then we have a chat about that and see what casts are available and go from there. One person we haven't mentioned yet is Craig, our brand ambassador, mm. um, who you'll have met a few times yeah. um, in Salford. Um, but Craig's really helpful as well. He he, uh, he hosts a load of the virtual tastings like when we're double booked and stuff. So we both have a schedule each week where um, we're both doing virtual tastings and all that kind of stuff. And thankfully, he likes, for some reason, he likes uh, doing the late ones or the American ones. Mm. So he had one the other day, I think it was Friday just gone, where we started at 2 a.m. And I was like, oh, I feel bad asking, but do you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine, whatever. Um, so uh, so no, he's, he's our, the third member of our team. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, brilliant throughout yeah he's a nice guy i'm afraid i'm not going to recognize him if i ever bump into him though because i've only seen him with a mask on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll get him on next time Nick. yeah <laughs> yeah you know the uh, like the events that uh, we were doing in that brief period between what september and mid-december or whenever it was that we were allowed to do them. Mm. 
um, the uh, so many folk came up to me and was just like, "Oh, how are you doing, mate? Been ages, etc." It's like I don't know who you are because I cannot see you. <laughs> I can hear you fine, but I meet hundreds of people yeah. every week, and mm. um, even virtually, you kind of get you know you've met so many people by this point. Um, I think we've done virtual tastings now for nearly four and a half, maybe five thousand people. So it's wow, wow. It, you've seen a lot of faces on these rectangles <laughs> and any coming up is it a weekly thing they just go on the website and, and have a look how does that work um great question we uh, so we do one public one per month our next one's actually our st patrick's day one so it's none of our juice it's all awesome irish whiskey um from irish whiskey producers obviously and uh, i think we only have like seven spaces left on it um and that's on the site now um and then we'll do Mar- uh, so April going forward for the next few months will be doing our latest range, different cast samples, that kind of stuff. Um, but the big bulk of what we do is actually private tastings. Right. So um, like corporates or birthday parties, or we've got uh, quite nervously got an inquiry for a 20-person stag in yesterday. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've only had one of them before, and thankfully they, there was so much football chat that we ended up having a great time, and I didn't want to leave. Um <laughs> Um, last time we spoke to you, actually, talking to Irish whiskey, you said that you were you were hoping to be able to do your own Great uh, Drams Irish whiskey. Are we any closer on that, or uh, is that still f- becoming elusive for you? Still elusive, um, but I have a feeling we're bordering on lukewarm, uh, nice. but we're we're nowhere near warm. But we're, <laughs> I'm going to go with tepid. We're uh, <laughs> great word. <we're>, uh, <laughs> And and are there any other regions that you're uh, you're close to uh, releasing, or are we still just focusing on Scotch at the moment? Uh, mostly Scotch. All of the demand that we get uh, that we see is for Scotch whiskey, and, and like really cool limited edition uh, Scotch whiskeys that are you know from from not obvious distilleries, if that makes sense. So yeah. you probably wouldn't ever see in any any of our releases distilleries that you see on a standard back bar, and um, so. You know, any of the big, big brands, it doesn't make sense for us to go against them if it may, in yeah. terms of side by side uh, from a commercial perspective, definitely not. Um, but for us both, it's always been a lot more fun, actually, finding casks from distilleries that we love mm. and that are different. Mm. And I think our current range actually uh, speaks volumes about that, especially the Isla release. Mm. And our customers as well that we meet out at these food and drink festivals and everything, the way they describe us when they go to people's houses, wow, look at what I found. This mm. is a really incredible, and they almost feel like they've discovered this whiskey because we discovered it for them. Yeah. So it's not trying to, you know, it's the dinner party piece. It's, you know, when people mm. are allowed to come back around to your house again, it is, they do really want to provide people with something a bit different. And mm. um, so I think that's why, why we've done so well with that. I've figured out that, the reason whiskey is so successful is because um, it it preys on uh, the pe- people like me who like the idea of completing something. Oh yeah! <laughs> Although yeah. it's impossible to complete whiskey uh, <laughs> because obviously every cask is unique, and there are people selling single casks. It, you are never going to have been able to try every drop of whiskey. Or owned every day. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. So, yeah, you've got to tick off the distillery names rather than necessarily all the different varieties you can get within that. Yeah, and, you know, I'm likewise, I'm very much that kind of Nintendo generation where I need to complete stuff. Yeah. Uh, Whatever it is, it needs to be finished. And um, (laughs) 
and I even down to Lego and whatever. It's just very much a this has to happen now, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we have some of our best customers actually. They they've already like uh, there's nine of them in specifically who have pre-ordered at least four, I think, of each release we release for like the next year or two because they want to know that they've got. Wow. Uh, the full set, um, both for saving and for drinking, and yeah. they have kind of specific numbers. That's the one you need to get into, mm. Dave. Oh, so, no, don't. I can't, you know, can't do that. Numbers, um, <laughs> like these guys have their bottle numbers that they are militant in that that's the bottle mm. number they want. Um, and um, and yeah, so and to be fair, I'm the same from our own range. I keep the same uh, six bottles every single time. Um, why not? Exactly. No, ex- exactly. Yeah, I think that's the other great thing about indie bottlers, though, isn't it? You, uh, you and other indie bottlers will have access to opening and just like uh, providing us with a distillery which don't sell their own bottles; they go to blends or something like that. So you're enabling us to to be able to tick the box of I've had that distillery, I've had that distillery, uh, even even though they don't have their own OBs. Yeah, no, exactly right, and and that is something that was right at the beginning of it. Like our first two releases were. Inver Gordon and then Craig Ellicky. And I find Craig's got its own uh, its own amazing, um, it's not exceptional range. Um, but then it was both of our favourite distilleries for a long time. Um, so it's like, well, that makes total sense to do that. Because right? there's a reason for us releasing it. And then after that, we had like, what, Glenn Tucker's, Port Dundas, which no one's even really heard of. Mm. Um, and you know, currently we've got a Mystery Isla, Ben Renison, even Tamdu, they're mostly in travel retail. Right. They're not really, um, they don't really show with their own range that much. Um, although when they do release it, every single drop is gorgeous. Um, but it's more of a newer brand, so a lot of people find it through us, um, which is, is really cool. And especially on the grain side, like Gervin, mm. no one's ever heard of Gervin outside of the whiskey geekdom. Um, but then we've released three from them now, I think, an 11, 13, and a 30. And um, and every time someone tries them, it's like this is amazing. And you tell them the production is about six times more than the Macallans, and they're like, "You what? <laughs> We've, everyone's heard of the Macallan and Lafroy, but no one's ever heard of those." So that's that's also something that we love doing. Whiskey bots roll out. Shall we move across to having a wee taste the samples that you have very kindly yeah. sent us of your new releases? Absolutely. Um, so I think we'll start with the, uh, the Ben Rinis, actually. So only 333 bottles of this one produced. It's a nine-year-old uh, single cast, single malt from our rare cast selection, or collection, I should say. Um, and it's been maturing or had been maturing for eight years in a second fill Oloroso sherry cask. And we actually bought it. It's the only time we've ever bought a second fill cask. Uh, it's a sherry butt, so it's 500 litres, which is a lot of juice. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> so, one. Uh, when it got into the warehouse, I'm like, right, let's get the samples down, make sure everything's fine and whatever. And the samples tasted amazing, but the actual whiskey itself, after even eight years in sherry cask, was um, lighter than water. <laughs> we were just wow. like, wow, what happened here? It was absolutely beautiful in flavour, but it was really light. So I'm like, I can't, you know, we, we never... Uh, add colouring to ours. Everything's non-chill filtered. It's as pure as you can get, really, um, in terms of flavour profile. And so, um, so like, right, do you know what? We need a sherry cask, but I want a big, big mm-hmm. sherry flavour. And you'll notice the colour now is not like water. It's Absolutely. Dark, punchy. It's a beautiful um, colour. 
No, what we did was uh, actually buy two casts, at, or commission, two casts to be made. One first fill Pedro Jimenez cask, or PX cask, and one first fill Oloroso cask. Both 250 liters, so we split the butt in half, exactly. Um, and they are now created sister casks that are maturing through. And so this one at, uh, I think it was nine months in PX, so this is the PX release. Um, after nine months, we absolutely fell in love with it. Um, that big spice note, that big sherry note, the gorgeous kind of sweetness, but also with the, the kind of spice kind of hit as well, just really worked a treat for us. So, so nice on, on the nose. Oh, no, it's beautiful. I, oh, it's one of the best smelling whiskeys I've ever smelled. And, and we all know I love smelling a whiskey. So, uh, <laughs> cheers, mate. If you, could, if you could turn this into a scented candle, I'd be very happy. <laughs> I love this one and um, well, like, the sample bottle of this in the house is going down remarkably fast yeah. um, it, it's had to be put on a slightly higher shelf that I need to think about reaching because <laughs> um, it is yeah one that I absolutely love so, so my head's now in candle mode I'm thinking of branding great dims uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry I mean I like where you went with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll register the website later. <laughs> yeah, just put it out there to your uh, to your, your regulars and see what they think. You, know, you, you never know; might be a whole whole new avenue for you. Anyway, um, yeah, this really does smell amazing. As uh, as you said, the spiciness is coming through. That yeah, the, the sherry notes are, are right there as well. Nick, have you tried it yet? Have you? Oh yeah, tasted I've, it? I've been in there already. Yeah. All oh, right, have you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's lovely. Um, is this made with worm tops? Is that right? It is, yes. So um, so what happens is, and why it's quite a, a special spirit, and quite a few of ours that we've released have used worm tubs, actually, uh, strangely enough. Um, and they're not common in the industry at all, uh, mostly because uh, versus regular uh, condensers and, and cooling systems, they, they actually cost 27 times more to run. So they're very expensive to run. So it's really, that for me, when you have worm tubs in a distillery, it is a big sign that that distillery wants to do the right thing and not the commercially viable thing (laughs) always. Um, And so that increased copper contact um, actually, uh, sorry, decreased copper contact uh, actually thickens up the spirit and makes it um, a lot more uh, kind of meatier in character, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, So you get those big flavor profiles, that that really kind of lovely um, thickness to it as well. Yeah. I was just about to say there's a thickness yeah. as it fills your mouth. Take a tiny sip and your mouth just goes. Whoosh. Yeah. Uh, and a really long, long finish where where the, my tongue is just watering. Like the, It's amazing what, what's happening in my mouth right now. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. It's a beautiful experience. It's yeah. lovely. Yeah, it's thick, it's spicy. The sherry's there. But for some reason in my head, whenever, whenever there's people talk about sherry cask finishes, I always think it's going to taste a Christmas cake, and this doesn't. This isn't cakey at all, which is a, was a surprise. I was like, "Oh, I know exactly what this is going to taste like." No, I don't. No, I, no, I don't know. I think. I don't well, know how many times we must say in November and December when we do our sherry cask release, "Isn't this like Christmas cake?" Yeah. Like, yes, Christmas in a yes. glass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Christmas in a glass. That's another one. You get that more with the Oloroso side. Yeah. Uh, with this being right. the PX, you get that sweeter. So, mm. if you're not familiar with uh, Pedro Jimenez uh, sherry. Um, it's that thick treacly like sherry that uh, I mean you can only have like two or three of them and then you're, you're maxed out the sweetness is off the charts but look more like port <laughs> yeah it's getting towards that actually yeah um, it's phenomenal on uh, vanilla ice cream 
Mm. Did I say it was a dessert sherry, I think, when I was doing some research once. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Nick, I think this is our first PX one, isn't it? We spoke about it, but I think this is actually the first one we've tried. Yeah, it's- we actually have two bottles of PX finishes. Um, but we've not tried them, have we? <laughs> no, we haven't tried them. We've got the, the Lagavulin. Is that uh, a PX there. finish? That is a PX finish, and we haven't cracked into that yet. And we got the Bimba Club release. Bimba Club. That was uh-huh. a- very good, very good, yes. So, but yeah, we haven't tried them yet, so this is our first PX. So Bimba's doing some amazing things. Like, yeah. We absolutely love those guys. And the, uh, almost like a, an English Ardbeg in their cult status. As soon as they leave, <laughs> yeah, on, on nanosecond. This is really great. So the distillery itself, do they have original bottlings or is this another one of those distilleries no, that you struggle? Rare. Yeah, it's more um, blend fodder, to be fair. But for us, it's just one of those distilleries that, that we've we've loved over the years from other indie bottlers. Is this your first release from that distillery or have you done others? It's, yeah. yeah, and there'll be... Uh, there'll be a couple more. Um, Obviously, the Oloroso. Yeah, the Oloroso. The Oloroso is actually do, being done in two different ways. Um, but I can't really talk about one of them yet. <laughs> but the uh, kind of sister release to this one will be, I hazard a guess, in later this year, tr- probably towards the back end of this year. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. Shall we move on to the other one? Yeah. Mm. The Mystery Isla. Yeah. So you're not allowed to say, you're not saying anything about where this one's from. Well, do you know, Isla casks um, are notoriously expensive. So when, um, and if you probably noticed, or hopefully you have noticed from all of our range, apart from a couple of the blended ones, we've (laughs) been able to say exactly, (laughs) there it is. is. Sorry. That's the right. Yeah, isn't it? Um, That's Dave taking a sniff, everyone. Um, the, uh, so, yeah, normally we, we pay more so that we can use the, what's called the title of the cask, use the distillery name. Um, but it just wasn't really feasible with the Isla cask, uh, unfortunately. Uh, ben Harvin wouldn't let us tell anyone where it's from. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we've, uh, we've gone down the road calling it a mystery island. <laughs> well, that's just mean, yeah. Oh, that's a lovely smell. Yeah, I, I didn't even try and smell it. I just opened it and it obviously was in the air. And I was like, yeah. oh, there it is. Uh, yes, so first fill bourbon cask. Um, and this one was very much uh, chosen by Kirsty because uh, of your yeah. love of all things Isla. Yeah, it's, we kind of wanted to do an Isla whiskey for so long. And it's one of the things people always comment on at food and drink festivals. It's always, is this smoky? How peaty is this one? And sometimes it's out of fear. And sometimes it's because they are literally craving their next bottle of peaty whiskey. Um, yeah, exactly. And then they try and outpeat me on what I've tried and what they've tried. So like, <laughs> <laughs> lady, lady Octomore down. <laughs> I was going to say, has the Octomore come out? and how many times have they been to Isla they've been more than I have and Uh, but now I can actually say yes we have a PT real PT whiskey Um, and yeah this one as well it's taken a long time for our business to get to the point where we can release this whiskey because Isla casts are a lot more expensive um, and we just have always been nervous because as much as I love Pete and loads of a lot of our customers do a lot of people are scared of it and don't want to go there so um it was a real risk it's a real risky release for us um but so far we've oh. been bowled over like um yeah, it's gone really well so for me this one is that true earthiness mm. um yeah the salt air it's, it's like you can you feel like you're by the seaside yeah as soon as you opened it then you got that exactly what we desired from this whiskey yeah and then for me, that lovely vanilla undertone as well. It's just, just it gives you that classic 
beautiful Isla whiskey. It's weird. I was just getting the vanilla was on the tip of my tongue and then you said it. And I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's a sweetness there coming through after yeah. right, that, that. Quite subtle, but yes. it does there. Right, I'm going to try this. Nick, what was it like on the tongue? It's glorious. Yeah, there's a slight mm. spice to it. Mm-hmm. Citrusy. It's not overpowering on the peat and the smoke. It's lovely. It's a lovely balance. Thank you. Again, it fills the mouth, doesn't it? Yeah. 48.2%, as are both the other whiskies we're tasting today. Yeah. Yeah, we all of our single casts, apart from the 30-year-old, because uh, it felt like we should respect its natural ABV of 54.5. Um, but since we released our Glen Tockers in, I think it was October of 2019, I think, um, we have always released our single casts at 48.2 and our blends at 46.2. Um, for the blends, the slightly lower ABV gives it more of a mellow, uh, smooth flavor profile mm-hmm. and texture specifically. And then for the uh, 48.2, it gives more of that uh, mouth feel, so that kind of bigger mm-hmm. um, experience. So yeah, we, we did a lot of testing, and those are the two that worked for, uh, for us. It's exactly what it does on the tin as well. Like This is the flavor profile I want from an Isla. Yeah, mm. like this. If someone if someone were to say describe an Isla, I would describe something like this, and this is a very good example of it. I think Nick's right that obviously it is peaty and smoky, but it's not destroying the the other flavors with with that. Which so yeah. as he said, it's the correct balance in my opinion. Yeah, so this yeah. is aged seven years, doesn't it? It doesn't taste like that. Yeah. You know? If you put it up uh, against like most Islas of ten plus, yeah, and that's kind of what we loved about it as well. So we we owned this for a couple of years before releasing it um and even to the point where we, originally we had the labels done at six years old it was like damn it <laughs> so we had that really done which is not not, uh, not optimal um but the uh but yeah so what you find with isla whiskies is the the younger they are the bigger the peat note and it's one of those um those kind of things that a lot of people don't really talk about or explain that well um but if you can imagine like a, a graph when the spirit from an Isla car or Isla distillery goes into the cask, the peat note is the top note. That is the only influence you're really kind of getting. Obviously, you have the subtleties from the still, from the wash, from all of that kind of stuff, sure. But the peat note is massive, and the oak influence is zero because it's only just gone in. So over time, the oak influence will naturally go up as the peat influence will naturally come down. And so if you want a big Isla whiskey, it's actually the younger ones you should be looking for. Um, the Ardbeg Wee Beastie, for example, which is a stunner at five years old. Um, I actually had an Ardbeg SNWS at eight years old, and oh, it was off the charts good. Like, it was probably one of my all-time favorite whiskeys. Um, and and you just think, oh, naturally you should be drawn to something like a Lafroy 25, which you know, is also epic, but nowhere near as smoky as you'd get from the 10-year-old. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that, that people don't really get a get a chance to discuss normally. Um, so something we're trying to bring through here as well. These are two, I mean, the two we've just tried are so completely different. It's the other thing I love about whiskey is there's so many different flavours there, aren't they? And and when, when people say they they don't like whiskey, you're like, well, you haven't tried them all, have you? <laughs> you haven't, yeah, you've, you've had one experience which may be smoky or may not be smoky and it's not what you like. But yeah, I mean, this this is, I've never been to Isla, but this is what I imagine Isla smells like and feels like. I like this, this is exactly what I want and from from something called Isla. So uh, yeah, smashed it. I appreciate that. Going a bit left field just because of something that Kersey just said there. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to hijack this a little bit and, and this is, 
my brain's doing the clog turning thing, having had a bowl of cereal and two glasses of whiskey. So it might not be as eloquent as I would like. So 8th of March is International Women's Day. And you were saying that when you're at various events, you get people come up to you and try and outpeat you or outilate you. Do you think that that's because you're a woman? In, there's an element of that, or do you think? And they're so shocked that there's a woman there who enjoys PT whiskey. And is the industry doing enough to try and counter that? Have you experienced anything like that that, that you makes you think, God, we need to be doing more to, to let people know that it's, yeah. this this isn't just an old man with beards and, and cigars territory. um in all honesty yes i I definitely have the issue of said bearded man walking up to me and being really shocked that i have any knowledge whiskey um and that i can hold a conversation with him about whiskey um and it's all it's really interesting actually when we do events together and i do my whole are you interested in whiskey would you like to try some whiskey and we have the conversation we start building up things and then often this said man will turn around and answer Greg and yet I'm the one that asks the question and that I'm the one that is having this and and I was and holding my own as well a lot of the time as well like sometimes I shock myself with how much I can talk about whiskey considering it wasn't where you know my background or my first passion or anything um so yes definitely that does happen I can't really talk about it in terms of the industry because I'm quite separate to Greg is very much within the industry whereas I'm half in the industry half out I mean our business and what we do but my experience of the wider industry I don't really have too much of that in the minute and that's basically because of the way we've juggled our family life so I can't really say it about the industry but yes definitely on a personal note it's it's regular <laughs> it's not even just every so often is it and you oh, see it as well and I turn around, I'm like, why is he answering yeah. you back because it was me that was having this conversation so yeah definitely yeah. definitely does happen yeah it's frustrating to hear it's really frustrating to hear it is and then you know at the end of the day i'm there as well to sell our business so it's not i don't would never want to be rude to them back and it's hard then for me then to try and bring this back you know make the person realize that actually what you're doing isn't right and it's really stereotypical mm. and you know, so then I just carry on with my knowledge, but it's really hard not to think, well, actually, that's really not okay. And mm. all, all I can do is continue with trying to build our business, um, continue to, pe- to treat everybody with respect and equality, and, you know, and bring our family up and our boys up, respecting that it doesn't matter what your gender is, your background, anything, then you can be what you want to be. And it's not for other people to judge you. So mm. that's what we try. Yeah, but that great, great answer. So bear in mind, I put you on the spot there. That's uh, with a with a delicate subject, I suppose. That was very well answered. So thank you. For that. Hey, it's, uh, one one thing to add there, mate. The um, I do think the industry is doing a hell of a lot and a lot of good, positive things. Like from my side of being mm. more ingrained in it, um, there's more that can be done. Sure, but I think the industry itself has put a hell of a lot of emphasis and rightly so on um the women that are involved in production and, and what they do i always um i'm always shocked when you explain to folks that uh the world's number one master blender for the last two years stephanie mcleod um is in charge of the Dewar's brand which is tons of releases yeah. every year the whole Aberfeldy brand uh altmore craig Ellicky, uh, Devron and Royal Brackler. She's the malt master and master blender for all of that. 
Um, in other uh, brands like Rowan Co. over in Ireland, female master blender. In Diageo for Johnny Walker, um, you have, uh, I believe it's Amy Gibson, I think, um, and, uh, and a load of other uh, female master blenders and blenders within the team. And Shivas as well, throughout the entire industry. Um, it's, uh, it's a massive misconception that it's blokes just making whiskey for, as you said, the old blokes at the end of the bar in like a flat cap, <laughs> the, the, the 80s. Um, yeah. It very much isn't like that. And when it comes to brand ambassadors as well, you've got superb BAs all over the place for every single brand, male, female, roughly uh, balanced, I think, nowadays. Mm. Um, so from an industry perspective, I know there's never really been an issue. I think potentially it's more telling the wider people, the, you know, the, the consumers, that it isn't just blokes who make it. And it's also people wanting to be receptive to that. I mean, yes. I, it's a lot of the old men that I speak to that we that have it given me this, um, that, that they, don't, they don't care. They, <laughs> they don't care that I'm a woman that knows about whiskey. They still just want to talk to a man and that is ingrained in them and that's just the way it's going to be. And so for me, don't get personally upset about that because yeah, yeah. I can't I can't change it that, that that's just the way yeah. he's going to be and it's really sad and depressing but all we can do is try and make sure that the next generation people around us don't don't think like that yeah, yeah. this is the whiskey god reminding you to please always drink responsibly uh, and as always you can watch the full uncut video of that interview uh, over on our Patreon page. If you want to become a patron, you can do so at any point just by heading over at patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things or follow the link on our website, whiskeyandthings.com. And everyone who is a member of that is really helping us out and uh, and doing wonderful things for us. So thank you very much. Thank you. And that video uh, also includes a third whiskey, which uh, we were able to try from the new range. Um, so you can go and check that one out. It's a space side single malt from the Tamdu Distillery matured for eight years in a sherry cask. And I'm not going to lie, I went and bought that one afterwards. I went online and I purchased it. Uh, So for me, that was my favourite one. If you want to hear us do the tasting of that, by which point I was also a little bit tipsy, not going to lie, we'd had three whiskeys at one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, Uh, it was lunchtime jams. We like lunchtime jams on this show. We do indeed. Yes, But yeah, Greg and Kirsty have also been kind enough to offer a perk to our patrons. Uh, so I will be posting details of that as I post the video today. Um, so please, yeah, if you're on our Patreon, just go and check it out. Have a look at the the perk as well. But perk. what a lovely, what a lovely couple they are! What beautiful people! Great beautiful story people. as well. Great story. Yeah. So open and honest with us about that, about what they what they're up to. Yeah, it's great to have Kirsty on as well this time. Um, yeah, hopefully, you know, we can um, have them both on again. Oh, really who nice. knows, mate? Next time it could be us all together in the same room. Who Don't. could you imagine? No. Could you imagine? We fear change. We fear change. Yes. So, Nick, where can people find out more about uh, Great Drams? You can find out more on their website, www.greatdrams.com. And you can f- follow them on Instagram at Great Drams Greg. And Facebook and Twitter, they are at Great Drams. Nice and simple there. Nice and simple indeed. Yes. And I'm assuming you'll put those links in the old description as well. Naturally. Excellent. Excellent. Hmm. Well... We hope you enjoyed that. We certainly did. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. Hey, Nick, it's a big week. Big week this week. Is it? Yep. Do you know why? No. Because we've got booze round. Booze round. 
the booze round. Oh, I love that. I love every every bit of that, Nick. It's good, isn't it? Amazing. So we, My favourite A couple of big news stories, actually. Actually, big news stories. Actual ones which matter, I think. Yeah, yeah. so um, you may... A few weeks ago, we discussed about uh, how the Scotch market or the Asia have reported loss in sales. And we speculated that part of that may be because there's a tariff on single malt Scotch whiskey in America at the moment, which is obviously a huge market. Well, the new administration over there has uh, has decided to negotiate with the, the UK government and that tariff has now been removed. Uh, so that was, that'll be gone by, well, it's gone from today, actually. It's day of recording, yeah. Monday, March, March the 8th. It's uh, 25%. Back. So that... That's huge. a huge story. Huge. It's a huge break. The Scotch industry must be delighted, especially seen as the postage costs are getting quite outrageous now. So mm. uh, saving pennies on on these tariffs is very useful. And of course, I'm sure other industries are also uh, affected with this as well. So it's good news. It's a good news day. It's a good, good news day for, for the Scotch very. industry. Mm. Um, and for those of you who are interested in that story, the full story uh, we will post a link to the BBC article about that and the Scotsman article about that, telling you all about it so you can find out what the politician said if you're really interested. Yeah, and it all comes down to, like, dispute with planes and stuff. I looked into it, I got bored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't whiskey-based. You know, unless I, you know, unless they're talking about what samples they're going to be, you know, serving on the planes, I'm not interested. But there we go. But... Another whiskey important story comes from Japan. Japanese whiskey now must be from Japan, Dave. Oh, yes. We've been talking about it. I'm sure we spoke about this before as well. We touched on it, yeah. Um, Some people might be listening to this and thinking, yeah, isn't it already? Well, unfortunately, no. Previously, whiskey could be labelled as Japanese regardless of what country it originated in. The only requirement was that the spirits were bottled within Japan. Mm. It's all been a very grey area. But... um, Technicalities. Yeah. On February 12th, the Japan Spirits and Liquors Makers Association, or the JSLMA... Catchy. It's very, yes, even more catchy as an acronym, isn't it? So make a good band name, that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they're a trade group and they introduce new standards. So now raw ingredients are regulated and they're limited to malted grains, other cereals and water extracted from Japan and malted grains must be used. The whole process must take place at a distillery in Japan and must be aged in the country for a minimum of three years. And the ABV at bottling must be 40% or higher. Basically, like most other countries, like, you know, Scotland, yeah. all that kind of thing. But um, caramel colouring will still be allowed as well. So companies have three years to alter their products accordingly. So uh, they've got until March 24th, 2024. But um, there's a bunch of whiskies which at the moment don't qualify, including a bunch of Nika whiskies. Um, oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, Nika by the Barrel, which Jeff Whiskey does a review on, on his... Uh, YouTube show this week, which is good. Nika Days, Super Nika, sounds like a cartoon, and Nika Blended Whiskies as well. But they're going to be changing it. It's on their website that they they know that uh, it doesn't qualify. So, but yes, exciting times for Japanese whiskey. Everyone. Yeah, interesting. Um, so obviously you'll you'll post the link to Jeff's uh, Jeff's review of the Nika. I'm sure in the comments for people who want to read that. But there's another thing I'm going to want you to post a link to, and that's the new Dram Fine podcast. I don't know if you listened to that, Nick. It was actually all about Japanese whiskey this month. I haven't had a chance yet. It's no. really good. Uh, Chelsea takes us all the way through 
the history of Japanese whiskey in, very thorough. And they awesome. talk about these laws in more detail and how it all affects everything. Awesome. Yeah, it's a really good podcast, Nick. You should check it out. It's really interesting. They try some interesting whiskeys on there as well. They try two Japanese whiskey. One I really want to try. It's made out of rice. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. Apparently, it, it, <laughs> so apparently it tastes of hot cross buns. Oh, amazing. And I love hot cross buns all the way through. From the first taste to the end of the finish, it's like this hot cross bun whiskey, and I am all in favour of that. That's an Easter so, whiskey. Uh, That's an Easter whiskey. E- exactly. Forget Christmas whiskeys. Just bring on the <gasps> Easter whiskey. Oh, hello. Uh, That's a new category. So yeah, Nick, you should go and definitely check out the, their new podcast this week. I will. I oh, will. This month they do monthly ones. I do. They do. Fantastic. So there we go. There's a couple of booze hound stories is what I've written <laughs> on the auto <autocue. laughs> Booze dogs. Boo- booze I mean, that's hounds. a great name for a band and a great name for a bar. <laughs> booze hound. Well, there we go. Booze hound, everyone. Enjoy. Booze hound. Welcome to booze hound. So that's all uh, we got time for this week. Uh, another great episode. Um, well done, Nick, for all your work on that. Oh, no, it was an interview, wasn't it? That's what was great about this week. Well, you set it up. So uh, oh, take yeah, the credit. Take the Thanks. credit. I'll take uh, it. I'll put it in my back pocket. Save it for later. Oh, you do that. You do that. So uh, what we got next week, Nick? What are we going to be welcoming people to in, to next week? Next week is our St. Patrick's Day episode, I believe. Yeah, I haven't checked the calendar, but I'm pretty sure it yeah. is because we, uh, uh, we're doing some Irish whiskey next week. We're being joined by Johnny Neal and Tom Mead of the Irish whiskey brand Samuel Gelston's. Um, we'll be tasting a couple of their whiskies and hearing the long history of Samuel Gelston's brand. So, yeah, exciting times. And this actually links to Jurassic Park as well, which is very cool. Yeah. Who knew we, that we were going to be tasting a whiskey that linked Jurassic Park? And New Zealand. I get to talk about New Zealand. Yeah. Again. So, well, I, I, yeah, I, I never do. I never do. I no, never get I, to talk I, about New Zealand. We need to do a proper episode on that at some point, we do, Nick. Don't we? <laughs> we do need to talk about New Zealand. Yeah, that's really a Patreon exclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that, thank you very much to uh, everyone who's listening. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to anyone who has pressed the share button. Uh, but most of all, we just want to say welcome. Welcome. And cheers. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions. <laughs>